Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. so much for your wonderful presence. We thank you for everything that is in your presence. We thank you for the the healing that comes, but not just that, but also comfort and instruction and light. We thank you, Father, that your word, as we draw near to you, You have something to say to us, and so we have ears to hear. We ask you for ears to hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' precious name. We thank you for all the churches in in Logan, in the wider area. We thank you for churches that are lifting up the name of Jesus today. We thank you, Father, for every single one that is proclaiming the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and and we bless you. We bless our fellow churches and our fellow Christians in Jesus' name. Can you say amen with me about that? Amen. Amen. And let this Christmas season be one of many, many, many people coming to know the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So today uh, we want to talk to you about Jesus. And I don't think there is anything more blessed to talk about anywhere and more appropriate to talk about in church. We're going to talk about about Jesus today. And so we're calling this um, something that we see from the scripture, from part of the Christmas story. You shall call his name Jesus. All right? Uh, Perhaps you have seen a photo album You may have made one for your own children if you have children. You may be in a photo album like this, or you have certainly seen one, where uh, at the beginning of the photo album, there is a picture of a brand new baby, and then... And then the baby grows throughout this album, and, uh, and you see that baby grow, and then finally uh, the baby graduates from high school, and then maybe even, you know, beyond there, there's pictures of that child doing what that child has learned and, and been educated to do or whatever. So it's kind of like a, a picture storybook of that, of that person from, from babyhood on up. We, uh, we think about Jesus in not only Christmas Day, but we, we think of him all the year around, but uh, especially in this Christmas season, uh, many more people are aware of him that might not even be thinking of him otherwise. Uh, pictures like this, a nativity scene, perhaps you have one in your own home, or uh, you'll be getting them on Christmas cards, and be sending them perhaps on Christmas cards. This is a, just one of the many, 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 and so it's a when we see it, we know it's the nativity. We know it is um, the picture of Jesus' birth and the visitors of that, of, of that event. And then uh, another picture of him. I thought this was especially sweet. Uh, it's not an actual picture. Somebody was going for it. But the Bible says he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. A beautiful picture of Jesus. This, and uh, as we see it, we know that it is him in the cradle. But flash forward then, 
through this, the album of his life. And, uh, and here is a picture of him grown up. Very odd picture. Go back to the one before. This one we're very familiar with. We're very comfortable with, and the one before that even look. Very comfortable with that. But go to the third one again. This is very odd picture of Jesus. We don't know whether to laugh or to hold our breath. It's a very, very odd picture. So what about this? Well, as you leave this up for just a little bit, the Old Testament actually is a photo album, or at least contains a photo album of many pictures of Jesus. Different aspects of what he would do and accomplish. And it was, it was a way that the people in the Old Testament, the people of God in the Old Testament, could understand what he would accomplish when he would come to this earth. It's jam-packed full of pictures. Uh, we're only going to look at one today. And why in the world are these two goats a picture of Jesus and of Christmas? Could these two goats, would you send these two goats on a Christmas card to anybody you know and love? Probably wouldn't. I've never received a picture, a Christmas card with two goats on it for Christmas. You wouldn't even really know how to take it. But there are many parts of the Christmas story. If we were going to be thinking about a Christmas story, there's the shepherd's part, there's the wise men's part, there's, you know, there's Mary's part, Joseph's part. Um, there's so many different parts. We're going to hone in on one part that, that connects with these two goats. And how we find it is, is we're going to look in, into Matthew and focus in on Gabriel's words to Jesus' stepfather or earthly father, Joseph. And he finds himself in a predicament because he finds that his fiancée, Mary, is expecting a child and he knows it's not his That would be heavy. What's he supposed to do? What do you do? So he's wondering how to put her away because he's tender. He, I imagine he had, a, he had an array of feelings of anger, of betrayal, of hurt, shame. What does he do with this fiancé? He's thinking how to put her away privately. While he's considering this, Matthew 1, verse 20, it says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her, the one she is pregnant with right now, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's not another man in the picture here. She is going to have a baby. But the one through which this conception came is the Holy Spirit. 
Matthew 1.21, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And that's why we're calling that, you will name him Jesus. Why? Why should you name him Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus is going to do many things while he's here on this earth. He's going to heal. He's going to work miracles. He's going to multiply food. He's going to still the, the storm. He's going to raise the dead. But the angel didn't mention any of those things in this particular conversation with Joseph. What he does tell Joseph is that Jesus, in this really, really tender time with Joseph, when he's got to have an answer, the angel gives him a, him a succinct answer. He will save his people from their sins. Is that a big deal? Apparently so. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive, the virgin will conceive a child. So the pregnancy of Mary is totally supernatural and sovereign, divine. In other words, God is this child's father. She will give birth to a son, and they will call his, him Emmanuel. This means God with us. We see in just what the angel told to Mary, or excuse me, to Joseph here, call his name Jesus. Jesus is a very common name, a very human name. It wasn't Zeus, Jupiter, Thor, nothing like that. Jesus, which was a very, very common name. So he was given a human name, but notice the last thing he says, which means God with us. So in this person is going to be human and God. Now go back to the goats again, and let me talk to you about the goats. Leviticus, the 16th chapter, gives a description about the most important and holy of all Jewish holy days, and it was the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement was the day when something was done about the, the sins that the people had committed that whole year so that God, holy God, was able to live among them. Something had to be done with unholiness so that God could live among them. And it happened on the Day of Atonement. So let's look at one of the elements on this really, really important day. Everybody, all hands are on deck on that day where the priesthood is concerned, the high priest. It's full of activity from the beginning. And Everything has meaning. Most everything points to Jesus that happens and is demonstrated on that day. But we're only going to look at the goats. The goats happen on that day. So what happens on the Day of Atonement? 
is two goats are chosen. And they're presented before the Lord. They're brought to the Lord. When then the next thing happens is the high priest casts lots to decide which goat will do which function. Because there are two functions these goats have to accomplish. And they cast lots. What does cast lots mean? Well, we could say they drew straws. Now, that's not what cast lots actually was, but it, that makes sense to us. Drew straws. So which goat is going to do what part? The first goat that is chosen is chosen to be a sacrifice. So one of these goats is chosen to be a sacrifice, and the way that the goat is killed uh, is through the slitting of the throat so that the, uh, so that the most amount of blood can come. They, they, they keep the blood because that blood is so important. The high priest then takes that blood and takes it into a place he's only able to go one time a year. But just a little bit ago, Nina said the presence of the Lord is so strong here. You know, we can almost take something like that for granted. In the Old Testament, there was one man, one time a year, that could go into the presence of the Lord. And he could only go in with blood. It wasn't only the blood of a goat, it was also of a bull. But he goes in with the blood of this goat and he puts it on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a piece of furniture that represents the glory of God, the presence and the power of God. And the mercy seat was on top of this Ark. There were two angels, one on either side of the lid with their wings. And he put the blood on the mercy seat and then he went back out and put the blood around the altar and he, the blood is for the purpose of cleansing the temple and the tabernacle. And all the, uh, everything that is in there, cleansing it from anything, any defilement from being among sinful people. And so... The second goat, let's see what happens to the second goat. That first goat, the blood is so important for the cleansing so that the presence of God can continue to be in the midst of the people. The second goat was chosen to be a scapegoat. Well, we've heard that word scapegoat, but it actually came from Leviticus, the 16th chapter. The scapegoat, what is that? Well, this one is really quite tender to me. I mean, both are really amazing. These are just innocent animals. One is a sacrifice, the other is a scapegoat. Taken to stand before the Lord is the second one. What happens, and you'll show the next picture, the high priest lays his hand on this goat, and you know what he does when he lays his hand on the head of the goat? 
he confesses over the head of the goat all the sins of the people. He confesses over the head of the goat gossip, adultery, stealing, killing. Confesses over him habits. Confesses over the head of the goat all in any kind of weakness. I don't know, and the Bible isn't clear how long that goes on, but you can imagine it's quite a description as he's laying hands on this little innocent head and declaring. And what happens is a spiritual law, a contact and transmission. The sins of the people are transferred to that animal. All right? Then what happens? Well, then the goat is taken by a man that is chosen into a wilderness about 10, 10 miles away uh, on foot and taken to a wilder, uh, wilderness called Azazel, which means separation. And it's thrown off of a cliff so that it can never accidentally wander back in to the camp carrying those sins that were, ca were laid upon that animal. Now, how is this a picture of Jesus and of Christmas? And let's go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and verse 1. It says, the old system under the law of Moses, and that's what we've just described from Leviticus, the 16th chapter, was the old system under Moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. It's just a picture. It's not the person. It's a picture of the person. Jesus is not a goat, but these goats are a picture of Jesus. Do you see the difference? The sacrifices under the system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing. Can we just say that? Perfect cleansing. For those who came to worship, verse 2. If they had provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. And in listening to, you know, different ones, um, rabbis and, and those that have studied this a lot, when the priest would lay hands on this scapegoat in confessing the sins, the worshipers around within hearing would agree and say, yes, yes. Sometimes they would get down on their face and they would, they would weep or they would cry because it was their sin that they heard. They heard the high priest confessing over the, the head of this innocent animal. And so... Instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. 
So what did it do? It covered them for that time. There was made a clean covering so that God could dwell among people who had sinned. Aren't we thankful that God came up with something that he could do? And it was such mercy that he was able to do this. Verse 5 says, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want an animal sacrifice or sin offerings. Now, this is a very important Christmas statement, but you have given me a body to offer. You've given me a body to offer. If you could please go back to the, to the baby boy in swaddling clothes. So the little one, this little body that was born, according to this verse of scripture, he was actually, his body was born to be sacrificed. Some little boys that are born are born to grow up to be a fireman or a, a jiffy or business person. Some little boys grow up to be a teacher. This little boy was born and his body was born to be sacrificed. Now, his body was born to actually accommodate the picture. Go to picture number three again. His body was to accommodate both goats, part to be sacrificed and part to carry our sins. Look at chapter 2 of Hebrews Look at verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, God also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying? Most fear has its tap root in the fear of death. And the only way all of this could be addressed is that God had to partake of flesh and blood. He had to have a body. So God is in a body. God is both human and God is God. Now, according to Philippians, the second chapter, it says that when Jesus was here, that he laid aside his divine attributes of knowing all things and... Uh, he, came, he would know what he needed to know by word of knowledge. Like just a little bit ago, Tony knew that somebody was being healed in their stomach area. Last week, he knew that somebody was being healed in their back, and we had some amazing testimonies of healing. But let's look at the blood. Fe flesh and blood, very important. 
The blood part was the divine part of Jesus. Let's talk about the blood of Jesus that came from that first goat in that picture. When, um, when before conception, an egg alone has no ability to make blood. None. Let's just use a hen egg as an example. All right? An unfertilized hen egg can be put in an incubator, and if you leave it there long enough, it doesn't make a chick. It'll actually rot because there's no life by itself in that egg. However, a hen egg that is fertilized by a male fertilization, infertilization, then immediately there is life in that egg, immediately. And a few hours from there, red streaks start indicating the presence of blood in that egg. Why? Because according to the Bible, life is in the blood. Blood doesn't come from the mother. A child never gets its mother's blood. A fetus produces its own blood. Very interesting. But only after male sperm, uh, the male sperm connection to the egg. Blood never starts being made in a little fetus until after that. Now, in a human, a mother's blood and the baby's blood never mix. Never mix. All that is needed to transfer between the fetus in a baby or in a mother and a mother happens between the placenta and the umbilical cord. All the nutrients and oxygen go through that, that system and go into the little baby. Anything that needs to come from the baby or the fetus back to the mother, the waste and the carbon dioxide comes through that placenta and umbilical cord. The blood never mixes. Why am I making such a big deal about that? Because the blood that Jesus carried in his body that we just celebrated just a moment ago when we took communion did not come from Mary. It did not come from Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. It did not come from a human. It came as a result of the conception by the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus never, ever sinned, his blood was never defiled. His blood remained pure all of his life. And so every time his body was broken, any time a whip was laid on his back and blood came out, what came out was something divine. People that saw him saw blood flowing down, but what God saw was life coming out. Life that had the quality to change death into life. To redeem us. Now, if you'll just put up this next screen, you know, with all that information. The reason I put that up there, uh, had that in a screen, is if somebody wanted to take a picture of, in case you're not, uh, I thought, are you sure that no blood goes from the human into the baby or the mother into the baby? Well, yeah, 
And there's a lot more than that, but I wanted to just give those. You can take a screenshot of that if you want. But I want you to, to listen to this. Genesis 3.15 talks about, it was the very first promise of the Bible, when man fell from the glory of God, God promised man at that horrible time. It was terrible what man had done. God steps in, and the first promise of the whole Bible was that there would be one that would come, the seed of a woman. It was woman's deception that started this whole problem. Okay, I, we own up. Girls, we have to own up. But he goes on to say, he says it was the seed of a woman that would bring forth a redeemer that would trounce on the devil's head. We sang it today. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The trampler was born of a woman. However, it was the seed of a woman, but that seed would have never been anything had it not been fertilized or there been a divine conception of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' blood did not come from Mary. Now let's talk about the first goat. The first goat is a sacrifice to cleanse from sin. If you'll uh, look back at those goats again. Today, you know, we're looking at this picture. I didn't put in a picture today, but I thought of one, and today we sang of it. Jesus was sacrificed. His, all of his blood. To the crowd, it looked just like a result of all the beatings. To God, who fulfilled that picture, that picture, fulfilled it with the real deal. Every drop was divine and worth more than all the gold on the whole planet. All the silver, all the diamonds, all the rubies, nothing in this whole universe as valuable as one drop of the blood that came from Jesus. Jesus' blood was to cleanse us from sin. Today we took communion. It's one of the main reasons we take it is to remember that we're cleansed. Can we just take 10 seconds right now? Just 10 seconds. That's not very long. Let's just take seconds to just put our hand up to the Lord and thank him for the blood. Lord Jesus, thank you for cleansing. We couldn't have cleansed ourselves. We couldn't clean one another. There is no way, no way we could clean ourselves. No good works could clean us. But the blood of Jesus cleansed us. Amen. Okay. Let's look at the second goat. Now remember that second goat was different. That second goat was a living goat. Listen to these verses of scripture. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our rebellion. 
crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. That speaks more of what happened with that first goat. Now let's listen to this one. In verse 6 says, All us like sheep have gone astray, have led astray away. <clears throat> We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Those goats, or that one goat, the second goat, had the sins of the people transferred to it by confession of the high priest. You know who put our sins, who put our sins on Jesus? Wasn't the Romans. They beat the tar out of him. They brutalized him. But who put sins, my sins, our sins, every single one of them? Who put the sin of the world on that innocent man? It was his own father. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at Matthew 8, 17. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And if the worship team can come. He himself, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This word in the, in the Greek that he took means he took it, he bore it to carry it away. Just like that goat, after it had everything laid upon it, it didn't just, they didn't just leave it tied up in the camp and they feed it, go out and pet it, keep it alive. It was led away, far away and done away with. Oh, dear family, we have had the most wonderful thing happen through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When our sins were laid upon him, Jesus bore them away. He took them away. Weaknesses in our personality, weaknesses and, and infirmities in our, in our minds, in our bodies, he bore it all away. 1 Peter 2, 24, these are all familiar verses of Scripture. Who bore himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. Praise the name of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, only you could have thought of such a plan. And such meticulous preparation for that plan. You even gave pictures so that we could foresee and think about what it was that was 
actually fulfilled and planned from the foundation of the earth that Jesus fulfilled in every, every minute detail. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for being a sacrifice for us. For your blood, your precious blood that you kept clean every day of your 33 years. When you were tempted to sin as a little boy, when you were tempted to sin as a teenager, when you were tempted to sin as a young man, when you were tempted to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing, to go the wrong place, to react the wrong way, you chose the will of the Father so you could keep your blood clean, so your blood could redeem us. Jesus, thank you for choosing us every day of your life. Help us in this Christmas season when we celebrate your birth to remember that your birth was for a great purpose. And not ours only, but for the whole world. For what you did was good for the whole world. And Father, I thank you. He did not only fulfill the work and the function of the first goat, but Jesus also fulfilled the function of that second goat, where every sin and weakness was put upon him, and he carried it away where it was destroyed, judged and destroyed. And we declare today deliverance to the captive. For you put it in my heart today, there are people that have been bound with habits that they cannot break free of themselves. I ask you, Father God, to help us to see not that habit attached to us. Help us to see that that habit has been transferred to Jesus Christ and he bore it for us. We don't have to bear weakness in our bodies. We don't have to bear sin in our own lives for it has been transferred to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we give you praise for that. With our heads bowed still and our eyes remaining closed, I would like to lead us in a prayer. This particular prayer is for anyone who's attending today that has never asked Jesus and received Jesus as their personal sacrifice. Received what Jesus did for them. Jesus has done what he did for everyone, but perhaps you have not personally received it yet. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today because what Jesus did, he did for you. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, go ahead and, and pray it. All of us pray it together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great plan of redemption. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for fulfilling God's plan that included your sacrifice of giving yourself 
for me. Giving your blood for me. For carrying my sin, habits, weakness, confusion, despair. For carrying it and bearing it away from me. I believe what you did. I receive what you did. Thank you for what you did. I take it today. And I ask you to come into my life as my Lord, my Savior, my God. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at raymond.org.au.